0: Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber, and today we're here with a master storyteller, a man who has artfully both entertained and terrified moviegoers over the past few decades with films such as The Sixth Sense, Signs, and The Village. Yet here's the surprise twist. He just wrote a book on education reform. Titled, I Got Schooled, The Unlikely Story of How a Moonlighting Movie Maker Learned the Five Keys to Closing America's Education Gap. Call us very nocturnal here at Harvard, for we've been anticipating night's arrival. Welcome, M. Night Shyamalan.
1: <laughs> Thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> That's as clever as I'm going to get It's very clever, by the way. So some might argue that while you're writing about education reform and not aliens and ghosts and (laughs) things, the content's still very emotional and scary, Hmm. especially because of how true and stark the sort of American education gap is. A little bit of the origin story here. What initially led you to being interested in writing this book? And what started you getting uh, this whole discovery of education reform?
1: You know, I'm I'm, I'm definitely not a do-gooder. Um, I wouldn't describe myself as that, um, even till today. And I definitely have a a, um, a a negative feeling about celebrities that that you know back causes and just because they're celebrities that that's the the reason you should listen to them. So start with that. Okay. So. so
0: this is not an altruistic venture.
1: <laughs> you know what? It it was a pursuing um, something of curiosity for me, and it was a five a five year thing, and even. To today, I was reading some stuff on on it, and I'm just, I just, the, the, the subject intrigues me, and I think it's a, it was, I don't think I would have even written the book if it, because I wrote it on planes, I wrote it in on the weekends, and it, it wouldn't have happened unless I genuinely was curious, and I found the the information that we uncovered uh, from all these experts fascinating and illuminating and and uh, truthful, and the, and the, re- the reaction from when the Simon Schuster released the book till now has been a. Um, so heartening and everyone has been so open and I haven't really found the kind of hard stance, vitriolic reactions I, I thought I was going to, to encounter um, because I tried to keep as much opinion out of the book as humanly possible and make it really just, this is what we found over five years of research.
0: Yeah, so talk about that journey of who you were talking to Mm -hmm. and what you were looking for and then how you take that, all that information, distill it down into five points as the title says.
1: Yeah, well, what happened was, you know, I got interested in this because of, you know, going on a location scout on a movie and I I visited a bunch of the high schools in Philadelphia and I was just very moved by uh, the dire situation situation. In some of those that I visited, and I felt like I was in a third-world country, and coming from India and all this stuff, where overpopulation and generations and generations of issues, um, it, it felt, you know, sinful that in the United States and, and in my hometown, Philadelphia, that such a thing existed. So I, we started to ask questions about it, and really at the beginning, all I wanted to be was I wanted I wanted to be uh, someone that was asking the questions, and I wanted the answers. That was it. There was no agenda involved. Um, and then the lack of the, the clear answer that came back started the puzzle of, wow, this is funny, because if I ask somebody, is smoking bad for you, I'm going to get a clear answer, but I couldn't get what was good and what was bad for you in this field, and then it suddenly struck me that this wasn't an evidence-based field. Education wasn't an evidence-based field. I mean, how is how did, how did we get here, and that's a fascinating question as well, but the, the lucky confluence of things with me, uh, I, I think, is that because... Uh, people have seen my movies and things, I was able to call people up and say, can I come to Washington, D.C. and sit with you? Can I come to New Orleans and sit with you? Will you show me around your school? Can I come to Stanford and you show me your research and talk to me about this and that? And I spent, you know, a long time doing that. And then we used our foundation's funds and my wife's ability to to get through all of the academia of all of these research and be able to – her and the staff that was, uh, you know, researchers that we hired – to gather, 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 and break it down into something that a layman could understand. So I would say to them, I don't understand what you're saying. What does that mean? What does this mean? What do those tw- 20 reports on small, small classroom size mean? And er, you know, every day they would d- bring it to me in a kind of 101 way, which I said, I can't tell anyone. I want to be able to tell a mom uh, of an inner city kid, the answer here. So you you have to tell it in a way that I can understand it and make it emotional. So we spent a, a long time putting that together. So we went around and met everyone you'd know that's kind of famous in the in the in the field and asked questions and genuinely said, "What do you think? What what are what do you think works and how do we close the achievement gap?" And as I said, fascinating that the lists were different. And even at the, t- the highest level, um, they were not quoting. Um, a pre-existing list of data. They were some of it was data-driven, some of it was opinion, and some of it was just gut. And I go, wow, you know, coming from a family of doctors, uh, and that's you know our, our whole industry of our family. I, I you know, it. I don't, I don't. I don't. I wouldn't want anybody's opinion about heart surgery. Uh, I don't want you to tell me what your gut's telling me of where you should cut. You need to tell me what the research says. And I and I and we just double down on on just looking at the data. And so. That took about two two and a half years um, of all of our free time and, and me asking questions in, in, a, in a very new field. And to be perfectly honest, the the fact that I was a complete novice um, was it was a great asset because I didn't have an opinion about vouchers or any of the subjects we were researching. Coming into it fresh, totally. And if they if they had said you know. Um, Red socks had effect on child's achievement games. I would be going. Everyone needs to wear red socks. That's what the data says. Even though I sell blue socks, it doesn't matter. You're
0: playing to the audience today. Being in Boston, (laughs) that's true. So you mentioned class size a little bit earlier, and about how your book, in some ways, you know, going into it with a fresh uh, sort of green perspective. But how you're sort of debunking some myths uh, yeah. of class size, how you probably don't want to hear the word Finland in the discussion of Correct. discussing ed reform. Share a little bit more about that.
1: Okay, great. So, you know, ultimately, I think the big subject that people are uncomfortable to talk about, but I feel really comfortable talking about it is, you know, ultimately what we are talking about is a vestige of um, slavery. And I don't mean that in a kind of like metaphoric way. I mean literally. So, you know, I'm from the Indian culture and there is a definite hierarchy in the social strata there. And what the interesting thing the data says is, wow, the United States has that as well. That's what the data says. That's not what I'm saying. And. You know, if we think in terms of you know, we built we with the country was you know the constitution was made you know and when they signed it in Philadelphia and everything went down there was an they knew it. I mean, if you read the biographies of these guys, they knew they were inherently writing something and they're acting in a different way. It was contradictory, right? The the issue of slavery was against what they were writing, and they knew it. They didn't, couldn't deal with it at the time, right? And on and on and on, and it was built into our culture you can do this, you're not smart enough to do this. I mean, from, you know, if you were a slave and you could read and write, you kept that quiet, right? From that culture, that similar culture, all the way to like 1964 Civil Rights Act and and those get, so all right, now it's official, we can't be, we can't do this against the law to do this now. That is this generation, my dad's generation, right? So, and we pretend like that was sometime long ago, but in reality, what the data says, is it's still the way it was in nineteen sixty-four. That's still if we imagine that these kids were walking out the door and were getting the message of you are you are a second class citizen, you, what you what you what you think doesn't matter, this country is not for you, opportunities are not for you, and we don't even think you're capable of it. If they were openly told that, like they were told that in, you know, forty years ago, fifty years ago, um, we would treat them very differently, right? Teach them very differently because we knew what they were what they were up against. The data says that is exactly how you need to teach them right now. That the country has not changed. And what the data says, it's really fascinating, um, is we always point to the principals and teachers. That's the problem. And I think that's why everything has failed because there's a basic attribution that the problem of the education gap is the principals and teachers in those inner-city low-income schools. Well, that's not what the data says. The data says that two-thirds of the gap happens when they walk outside of the school and they go home for summer vacation, two-thirds of it. Wait, I thought it was the principals and teachers. You're saying two-thirds of it happens there? Where's the other third? Oh, is it because they go home at night and they're told something else from their families, friends, neighbors, stores, movies, anything they're hearing, radio, everything they're saying? I mean, it's common that if you go, if there's a smart kid that's from the inner city, when they go back to the inner city, they code switch, right? They code switch. And this is this – is, the data says – so if you're looking at it like that, all attempts to put um, accountability alone will fail, whether it's No Child Left Behind, you name it, whatever you want to do. Even, for that matter, the underpinnings of voucher, the choice. So that's saying, that's saying, oh, if we gave them a choice, the schools that are not performing will, will get motivated and perform well. Well, that's actually not what the data says happens. So nothing with accountability alone has been data proven. And so again, because the data says the problem is not within the school, the problem is our country. What we've been saying to these kids and all the rules that you, you see in the data that how you can close the gap and all the schools that are closing the gap are acting as if they know this. They know that the problem is outside. So what you'll find is you have to approach, and when I'm talking to legislators and on, I'm saying the data says that these schools, and what, let's, talk, let's be careful when we're talking about them. This isn't the United States. The United States is actually teaching their kids pretty damn well. We are talking about the 18% of the schools in the entire country, which are low-income inner-city schools. That's what we're talking about. There is another 7% of schools that are low-income suburban schools. It would probably be valid for those 7, 7% as well, but I'm not going to make that opinion because I have no, that's, I don't want to keep opinion out, the data is talking about those inner city kids, but I'm, my guess would be this would apply to those other 7%. So that, we're talking about 18% of the schools. Those 18% of the schools are 90, as you know, 98% African American and Hispanic. Those are the kids that we are talking about here. Those kids in those schools need a different type of schooling, that's what the data says. And so I like to talk about it as the opposite of the way we've talked about it. So those teachers and principals are not deficient. They need to be our Navy SEALs. All the teachers are in the Navy, but those teachers need to be super teachers. They need to be incredibly trained. They need to do things much in a much more intense way. They're Navy SEALs. So if you're going to be teaching in a school, you should be like, we should go, oh, my God, you're a, you're a Navy SEAL. just the SEAL Team 6. Yes, exactly. Just the way a SEAL team walks into a, a na- room of Navy officers and they, everybody goes, oh, my God, they're SEALs. That's what we should be thinking about those teachers. So it isn't about what's wrong with them. It's about how they're not trained to be, you know, we wouldn't want regular Navy to go in and get bin Laden. We want the SEALs to go in and get them, right? They're trained, uh, extremely trained. And, and there's lots of beautiful ways to think about it, which is, you know, it's not about firing or this or that, but like if you choose to be in one of those 18% of those schools, you're choosing to, to try to be a Navy SEAL. I mean, it's an, it's an honor. and yeah, That
0: should come the respect of yes, the Yes, exactly,
1: and all that stuff. But that's what the data says. We've been looking at it backwards we've been looking about. So it's been a beautiful kind of thing looking at looking at the data and seeing all of these pictures of the story being told.
0: I think it's very clear to everyone in the room and everyone who's read your book, you are no longer a novice. (laughs) (laughs) You know your stuff. And I'm curious now your role in the greater education reform conversation that's yeah. happening. You went and talked to all these experts yeah. as a novice. Years later, you are in some ways an expert on this material now and also translating it from the expert researcher to yeah. the to the common uh, person who doesn't know as much about I this. I like that.
1: I, I like that. That's a nice thing to think of it as a, as a translator.
0: And, and and I'm curious now, in, in you know, back to making this relationship to your films, yeah. in your films you have various roles. You yeah. Executive producer, director, you have cameo roles, you have roles where you're you know have a larger part what role do you now want to take part you know book aside you know the books yeah. given you a nice uh, right
1: well here's the thing yeah you you're saying what role in this process of closing this gap do yeah. I want to play well look you know i i'm i'm surprised at what i see which is that the you know it's very hard to find a doctor a heart surgeon that doesn't know heart surgery but i can find you people that are the head i it's almost ubiquitous. The person in charge of education for the state or for or for the city doesn't know this information. They just don't know it. I can I can out them right in front of you, and I'll say, "How much does a child lose in the summer? What is the data that says about classroom size? What this?" And they don't know it. How can you be a doctor and not know this information? And that, like we went in to visit someone. Um, a senator and things and they had on their door. There's a head of an education person and on the door was a particular stance on something and I was Like I said there is no data behind that and
0: what are
1: these, what are they He's they're all just sheepish and they they are, they listen by the way They're all listening. They're all listening because I'm not saying Democrat Republican this that or anything I go, you know, there's no support for what you're saying You're an opinion and in fact not only is you are you an opinion the data goes against your opinion I don't think you should be doing this. Enough of enough of this. Because here's the great news: the data tells you that what we know is enough to close the gap. We'll keep learning, but what we know is enough. Did you? I mean, that's incredible. What we know is enough. There was a, there was someone in the head of uh, a New York system. I won't say the name, and they were like, "Oh well, we're thinking about opening up our own charter school." And I go, "Why?" This was a person in charge of a lot of schools, and I said, why? So we can learn best practices. I was like, you want to get in a cab right now, and I'll take you to a school that's literally 20 blocks from here? That is closed the Gap. And he shook his head, and he was like, ah. And I, I go, what, what, what do you mean, ah, what's that about? And he goes, well, they don't have a lot of special, special ed kids. And I said, how many special ed kids do you think they have? Silence. I go, wait, no, that's a pretty big stance you just took. And I go, why don't you believe the answer exists, that we can get into a cab and go right now and find the answer right now? I said, so make up a number. Just make up a number. We were at lunch. I was getting aggressive. And he's like, I said, make up a number. And he goes, ah, you know, schools should have, you know, if they don't have 30% of special ed kids, then it's not. And I said, well, how many kids do you think they have this? But I don't know, 10%? I said, so, okay. So let's say it's your number is correct. So for the other 60%, 65% of the thing, there there is somebody that has learned to close the gap? Are you not interested in learning about that group? And I don't I don't it's all opinions everywhere, all boutiques, everyone trying maybe it's the whole wanting you know, I believe we're very entrenched in two things. One, in the hierarchy, just like the Indian culture is, we're very entrenched with this. We need that group to be subjugated. It's always been that way. It makes us feel better about ourselves. And then two, the people that are trying to fix it are getting getting a high out of being the white saviors or whatever of one white yeah that kind of thing why would this person who's a brilliant person not acknowledge the data that's already there even if he believes what he totally believes which was incorrect that it was for only a part of the population so they someone's figured out part of the population am i not has that not correct so i can't I don't understand the need, so this is what this is about, to kind of to, to talk to everyone and say, we're from, you. I'm gonna give every, everybody gets a pass, by the way, until today, because you know, people smoked when they were pregnant in 1950, 19, so you get a pass, but you don't get a pass now if you're pregnant and you smoke, okay? So you pick up that, I'm gonna tell you everything, and then if you pick up that cigarette now, I'm gonna call you on it, and everyone should call everyone on it, and every parent should know it and go, you are wrong. You are you are using our money and our kids the wrong way. So just the clarity of it all.
0: You see this wonderful sort of evolution of yourself. You went from the learner and the listener, mm-hmm. learning everything, listening, to now becoming the activist, to now becoming the person who shares all this knowledge, mm-hmm. all this data, and other people are now becoming the learner and the listener to you. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, for most of the time, you feel probably like the outsider. Mm-hmm. And, and at what point do you feel like and we've got about a minute left do you feel like you are now an insider or maybe that again like we said that translator who doesn't maybe want to be insider or outsider but is the person who's allowing the insiders and outsiders to have that fruitful conversation so that things actually can get done
1: yeah I, I I'm one is I think you know I've been used to listening to the story of things what is the story telling me when I write, write something? What you want and what the story is telling you are two different things. I want it to be a romance, but it doesn't want to be. It wants to be a father-daughter story. And if you're not listening, you'll jam the romance on top of it, but it keeps talking to you. It's talking to you. Your subconscious through these characters is talking to you. And in that same way, the data was talk it was talking. I, wasn't, I was listening. As you know, That's what I spent my life doing. Just what is it telling me? What are the words telling me? What is this information telling me? And this is what it told me, you know? that, all the things I just said to you. And what I've perceived myself to be is get into a room and, and go, all right, let's talk it out. And the minute you say something that is not data-driven, that's not proven, I raise my hand. So I, pre- I prefer to think of myself as like chiropractic adjuster and go, you just said, you know, like for example, the ed reform people, I call them Michael Crichton, which is, you know, Michael Crichton does, you know, he writes his, he, he was a doctor and he would he would go like, fact 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 bullshit fact 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 dinosaurs on an island you have to bleep some stuff out. Of here. <laughs> bs <laughs> and and that's what the ed reformers do they go fact 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 opinion fact fact opinion fact fact and i go whoa 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 have courage you don't need the opinion part of it you don't need to jump to that conclusion don't use your gut don't use your gut to do heart surgery just do the facts have faith because the data says you're going to close the gap with just that. Don't jump because that's when everyone starts to go into places. The data actually says the teachers union and that side is right about a lot of things and they're wrong about some things. And it says the ed reformers are right about a bunch of things and wrong about something. That's what the data says. And really all that should matter is the data and everything else should go to the sides.
0: We only have like 10 seconds left, so the beauty is that you, Knight, have an hour and a half in 10 minutes to talk to everyone here <laughs> at Harvard, and we're just so lucky for that. The name of the book is called I Got Schooled, The Unlikely Story of How a Moonlighting Movie Maker Learned the Five Keys to Closing America's Education Gap. As someone who's worked at the ed school for four years and who's passionate about the field, let me just say thank you for oh, what thanks, you Fred. do and for taking an interest, making something that we are so passionate about your hobby for all these years and something <laughs> that is now become, sounds like a vocation. Thank you so much. This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you kindly for listening. The Harvard Graduate School of Education, working at the nexus of practice, policy, and research.